Coach Vince Lombardi once said that coaches who can outline plays on a blackboard come a dime a dozen. The ones who win get inside of their player and motivate. All right. Well, actually, before I go any further, I have to welcome, when we welcome anybody who is, this is your first time listening into the Move Swiftly podcast. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. I know you'll be back for more. To all of my regular listeners, you know how we go. You know how we get down. You know how we roll on here. All right, we get right to the point. Today's topic is all about the great coaches, the great coaches and how they can get inside of their player mode. Really break down that verse. In fact, if you're, if you're able to, make sure you pull your pens out and jot that quote down by Vince Lombardi, the, one of the, the football guys, the football guy, the man, the, the, the guy that the Super Bowl trophy is. The Super Bowl trophy is named after the Vince Lombardi. He said, coaches who can outline plays on a blackboard come a dime a dozen. However, the ones who win or get inside of their player and motivate. In fact, there were there's tons of quotes like that. There was, uh, I believe it was Doug Williams. I heard him say one time he was talking about Joe Gibbs. No, no, he's talking about Eddie Robinson, Eddie Robinson in Grambling University. And he was talking about, you know, Eddie Robinson wasn't X's and O's. He was a Joe's, all right? In fact, I remember reading Coach K's book, Coach Mike Krzyzewski, head coach at Duke, and I remember him, he started out, I believe the title of the book was Leading With Your Heart, and he was talking about before you, he said this, I remember this because this, this quote kind of jumped out at me. He said, before you could talk about X's and O's, you have to talk about who's the X and who's the O. All right, teammates, and the reason I'm giving this talk is because it translates so well into our everyday lives. It translates just that concept of understanding that just putting stuff on paper and drawing it up and the way it, it kind of draws up on paper, all of that is like, have, is like activity without achievement. It was the great John Wooden who said, never mistake activity with achievement. So when you decide that you're going to spend hours upon hours you know, putting up all this stuff on paper and then waste so much time on on just planning this and planning that and jotting this down and putting lesson plans and putting uh, syllabuses together and all the shit that we are so bought into and not really understand how to get in touch with people, how to really move people. We are we are going in the wrong direction. We're all we are going in the wrong direction. So many teachers and so many educators do this the wrong way. So many managers, so many business owners. I can go on and on and on about how wrong it really is when you're talking about how to really get inside, whether it's your player or your employer, anybody that is following you, you have to get inside their head 
and, and really motivate. Now, how do you do that? You're probably asking yourself that, probably asking, you're saying, as when I hear what you're saying, but how exactly do I get inside of a player and motivate? How do I get inside of the people that are following me? How do I get inside of my kids and really have them understand? How, how do I motivate them, like you said, right? And, and today's talk, I have to take you back to my youth league days when I played for the Briggs, not the White Oak Warriors. I played for the Briggs Cheney White Oak Warriors. All right. There's a difference. There's a difference. Not a lot of people know that before we became the White Oak Warriors, before we became this nationally known youth football organization, we were the Briggs Cheney White Oak Warriors. And two years prior, no, 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 no. A year prior, it was either two years or a year prior before we moved to Pop Warner, I was on the team, I, I had the coach in which was, uh, he was the guy that became the president when we, be, when we moved to Pop Warner. So he was, he was really an integral part in getting us to move from the Capital Beltway League to the well-known league of Pop Warner. His name was Coach Brian Davis, all right? Easily. Now, this is saying a lot because I've had a lot of great coaches in my life, whether I coach with them, I've studied a great deal of coaches. If, if you guys, you guys could tell, Coach Brian by far, was my favorite coach to ever play for, by far, all right? There was the time, I, I actually, I remember there was a game and we played the Colesville Jaguars. And the Colesville Jaguars and the Briggs Cheney White Oak Warriors were very, very, it was a very close-knit rivalry because we were located maybe about five miles from each other. Colesville right there on Briggs Cheney. It, it was really, really close. We, the teams practiced very close to each other, all right? And I remember... I don't know why, but we just used to blow them out every year. For some odd reason, we got the cream of the crop. We got the best talent. No no reason. I don't know. I was too young to know why we would always be blowing them out. I'm, I'm actually reluctant to even call it a rivalry because we used to tap that ass every single year. <laughs> All right? The Colesville Jaguars. I doubt if they even still have a program. But anyway, I remember there was a, that year that Coach Brian was coaching us when we were the Big Shaney Warriors. And. He, we played them. We played them. Oh, it was a Saturday morning, obviously. And I remember Coach Bryant didn't get to the game until close to the second, to the end of, towards the end of the second quarter. Like he was really late. And that was really, that was really unlike him. Like he was really in to everything that we were doing. I mean, he was just at everything. And it was really unlike him. So I, I remember, you know, we were a man. I was probably around 10 or 11 years old at the time. And we never, we didn't really ask a lot of questions at that point. It was game day and we just went out and played. And then, like I said, we were playing Colesville. It wasn't like it was a team that had any chance against us as it is. So, you know, Coach Bryant gets there and we're up. And I remember seeing him as I was coming off the field and I'm like, yo, Coach Bryant. And I just looked at him. I'm like, it's about time. It's about damn time. You know, and I looked at him with that snug, like, it's about time, dog. You know, the little kids like to talk shit. And Coach Brian kind of took that personally because his face got serious. He looked at me. He goes, hey, brother, I got to work. All right. I got to work. <laughs> all right. And I, I, I tell you all that because I, I want you guys to understand that as a young kid, as a young kid, in my heart of hearts, I thought that him coaching us, him being our football coach, coaching these group of nine-year-old, ten-year-old kids, I thought that was his job. I, I didn't say that to be an arrogant guy. I thought that that was his full-time job. I did not think that he actually had a job where he got paid every two weeks or so. And I, I thought that all the way 
until after, after like years after college, I realized that these coaches in high school and the youth level, they don't get paid a whole lot. If they are getting paid, it's crap. They don't get paid enough to actually support a family. So all my years, you know, think about this, all the way from nine to close to 24, 25 years old, I thought youth coaches and high school coaches were getting paid like a regular set. I thought that that's what they did for a living. I didn't think they had regular jobs. And I tell you all that because that, I'm going to paint a picture about of how a coach really should be when, when you really want, whether it's your players, whether it's your employees, whether it's your kids or anybody that you're, you're dealing with, when you really want to get inside them and help them and see them through life, you will treat it like it's your job. You will treat it a volunteer position, just something you're doing to give back to the community. You will treat it just like it's your job to the point where people who are young people who are following you will feel like, oh my God, I, I got to do this. All right. And then what I actually, what actually got me thinking about this right now, I'm reading this book titled Iron Ambition. It's about the led the great Iron Mike Tyson. And he talking, he's talking about the, the title of the book, the whole title is Iron, Iron Ambition, My Life with Cuz and Cuz D'Amato, I, I am enjoying this book on another level. I mean, again, if you guys keep up with me on social media, you know I've, I've done a ton of book reviews. I haven't done as many lately because this podcast is, is rumbling now. It's back on and things like that. But I still read a whole lot in this book. It, it, it's dropping so many gems. And it had me thinking about not only Coach Brian, but the thousands and thousands of coaches out there that really coach from the heart and do these things and they help kids through certain situations. Like my life will not, I, I cannot picture what, I can't even tell you where my life would be had I not had the coach Bryant of the world that give me the ambition, that give me the confidence, that show me that I can do things as opposed to being that coach that's constantly telling you how terrible you are, telling you that you got to improve, that you got to do this better. You got to, no, that's not how it works. Coaching is about being positive, re, being a positive reinforcement to a kid. And I'm not talking about being a pushover. You can have the same intensity that you have when you're, when you're administering discipline, when you're yelling at a kid like, shut, shut up and do this right now. You can have that same intensity when you're saying, hey, you are the best. You hear how like, it, it, it's a different. It's different when you're telling a kid how great they are. Let me, actually, let me just read this excerpt from you. On page 251, it says this, and this is Mike Tyson talking about Cuz D'Amato, who was his trainer. He said, but don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about Cuz. Nobody in the world could reach me in my soul like Cuz did. Whenever I finished talking with him, I had to go and work out and burn energy. I was so pumped. I'd be crying when I was running because I wanted to make him happy. I wanted to prove that what he was saying about me was right. Everybody else was saying I was too small. There it is. Cut right then and there. If that little paragraph doesn't give you some incentive, well, I don't know who you are listening to this, but I'm speaking to my leaders. I'm speaking to my managers. I'm speaking to my business owners. I'm speaking to my parents. I'm speaking to my coaches. I'm speaking to anybody, my team captains, anybody that has a following, anybody in which you have people coming to you for advice. What did Mike Tyson just say? 
right? When you give a person confidence, he was too small, right? When you give a person confidence, give a person confidence and you yell and you are positive reinforcements to them, they will run through a wall for you. The X's and O's doesn't matter. I'm telling you right now, I'm reading this book. It's not enough. It's nothing. There's nothing. I'm almost, I'm over halfway through it. And nothing was said about how to throw a jab, how to throw a hook, how to throw uppercuts and hooks and things like that. Nothing was said about, you know, taking your proper jab steps and footwork and pivot foots and all that stuff. Nothing was said about the technical form of boxing. However, the greatest fighter that ever lived is simply talking about how his trainer got into his head and made him just outwork every single person. And, and I'll actually, you know what? I'll close you out with this story. Because when, when Coach Bryant came to us, right, it was a year after we lost Coach Art. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about when I say Coach Art, we, I had a coach, name was obviously Coach Arthur Lanham, Langham, I believe, yeah, Coach Arthur Langham, who coached me previous, the year before Coach Brian, and he was my first ever white coach. And, you know, we had a game at the end of the, there was a game, it was our playoff game, it was a playoff game that was going to determine who gets to the championship and all that. And that playoff game, Coach Art had a massive heart attack and died on the field. All right. That moment has, as you can see, I'm still dealing with it to this day, just seeing him die suddenly. And I've told the story tons and tons of times, and it still kind of gets me, it, it gets me in a mood just to, to, to relive that moment. However, the next year, Coach Bryant is the guy who came in to replace Coach Art. And that's another reason that I don't have time to talk to you about on this episode, why I had such a strong connection with him. But anyway, he came in. And he, as an African-American coach, as a black coach, we related to him on another level, not only because of the fact that he was an African-American man, but because of who he replaced and, and what coaching meant to us as young kids and just how much it just the, the realities of dealing with the situation. He came in and he taught us something new. He taught us an acronym by the name of WATER, W-A-T-E-R, WATER work ethic, attitude, teamwork, enthusiasm, and respect. He came in with that acronym and he taught us how to live our lives more water. We would break the huddle saying water, water, water. And no one really knew what it meant. <laughs> in fact, it, it on our t-shirts when we moved to Pop Warner, it would have water, work ethic, attitude, teamwork, enthusiasm, and respect. All that, like I said, but like I said, not even gonna, I'm not even gonna take you guys there right now because I don't want to, this episode will last for hours and hours and hours if I talk about that. I just want to got, I want to take you guys to a practice. There was one practice, I believe it was that first year in which he coached us. And this was the first coach that really, when I, when I say he was my favorite coach to play for, here's the reason why. It's because he did everything that Cuz the model did for Mike Tyson, but he did it for us as a group of young men. When it comes to giving us confidence and giving us that positive reinforcement, he would do that regularly. He would constantly say things like, there are coaches out there that like to tell you that this team might be better, that this one's coming for you and all that. He, he was like, look, I'm not one of them coaches. You guys should straight up beat their ass, all right? They should not, they do not belong on the field with you guys. That was his approach. And there was one practice in which he was in the middle of going over some plays and I, he got to me and he pointed to me, he goes, this is the best offensive lineman in the entire league. 
And then after he got to me, after he was done giving me my flowers, he started going to every single uh, offensive player that was listening to him, all 11 of us. And he just started ranting about how we were so great. However, his intensity was as if he was yelling at us, if that makes sense. His intensity, he was yelling it with the same intensity as if we were doing, as if we did something wrong. And again, there's a reason why we went undefeated. There's a reason why the White Oak Warriors are now a nationally known organization. It was because of moments like that. So as I close, I'm asking you guys, I'm pleading with you guys as leaders, as, as the people that listen to this show regularly. And like I always tell you, if you, if you do not want to be successful, if, if you don't want to go and maximize your potential, maximize every moment that you have in this world, again, not going to take it personally, but this is not the show for you. This is strictly for my folks who want to be successful. I ask you, are you giving the people around you confidence? Are you believing in them in an, on another level? Because when you do that, when you do that, you will change the world. I'm, I'm not exact. I'm not to be all dramatic. The world will change because you just gave one person the confidence, one person the confidence that they can do something that they didn't think they can do before. And that person will take it to heart and they'll go out and keep preaching and preaching and preaching. And they will do something that you would, they'll surprise you in ways that you never thought would be possible. So again, <coughs> excuse me. I'll close with how I started, all right? Vince Lombardi, the great Vince Lombardi, once said, coaches who can outline plays on a blackboard come a dime a dozen. The ones who win are the ones who get inside their player and motivate. So fellow teammates, please get inside of someone today and motivate them to do something great. Continue to, fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. Your face.